Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to uh, takesbyfans.com slash watch. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, on iHeartRadio. So, however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today's a big old Thursday, folks. So, uh, we can start watching a little bit of film here to get ready for the Super Bowl matchup here. So, we are going to be able to fit one film study in. Probably can't get them both, but we are going to be watching the Bengals at the Chiefs from last week. And really just focusing on this Bengals defense. We know Joe Burrow's great. He could take the one-on-one matchups with Jamar Chase. That's really not going to be the issue um, in the Super Bowl. We see Joe Burrow be cool as a cucumber all game long. Down big, 21-3, no big deal. Still stay, stay solid. So we're focusing big on this Bengals defense. Watching it, how they kind of locked up the Chiefs in the second half. And uh, going a little bit more in depth into what the film says. So we'll be watching that today in our film study. A few stories to kind of touch upon we're gonna hear from Steve um, Steve Ross is that his name Stephen Ross uh, the owner for the Dolphins uh, you know he say hey these are false and I'm about to defend my integrity um, and all that so we'll hear from him um, and a few coaching notes that we have to kind of talk through a little bit so that's what we've got today on the show, and obviously breaking down the NBA, and and folks, we got a new sponsor for the show, just in time. We had our NFL season sponsor of the Carolina Panthers, the final eight weeks of the season, folks. We were cashing in every single week, betting against the Carolina Panthers, and we've got our NBA sponsor of the season, folks. Cannot wait to unveil that for y'all. So that's what we've got today on the show. So let's start here with the NBA. And then we will work our way towards the NFL. So let's start breaking down the NBA from last night. And man, man, lots of close games all around. We had one bet going, and we'll talk about that when we get to that one. But let's start here with the first matchup up. Magic at the Pacers. And the Magic at the win. Well done. But it was close. They only won by one. And there was no Sabonis. And, you know, it's classic Pacers. Anybody could beat the Pacers. So we really want to buy into this Magic team. Truly do. But uh, we're going to need a little bit more more than them beating the Pacers by one point. But we're still keeping an, an eye on this Magic team. The bet ability is still eh, it's still kind of murky a little bit. But Magic at the win, 119-118. to 118. For the Magic, Cole Anthony, 15 points, 8 assists. Our man, Franz Wagner, 17 points, 2 assists, 4 rebounds. We will take that. We get Wendell Carter Jr. with a solid 19 points with 18 rebounds. Mo Bamba still at the five at the starting five, seven points, four rebounds, and then Gary Harris led the team in scoring off the bench, twenty-two points, five assists, three rebounds, and then we get Moritz Wagner. They still don't want to play him, and I don't understand why. Whenever you play this man, you know, fifteen plus minutes coming off the bench, he gives you that solid production, and he still even gave him real solid production last night. Only played nine minutes, eight points on eighty percent shooting. Get Moritz Wagner more in involved into the game please he gets it done so well done for the magic here well done to the Wagner twins absolutely love it 
And then for the Pacers last night, no Sabonis, so we get Isaiah Jackson at the five, uh, played 22 seconds. Well, that's definitely not Sabonis-esque. Uh, we get Torrey Craig, 22 points, five rebounds. Karis LeVert, 26 points, five assists, five rebounds. Chris Duarte, 11 points, seven rebounds. And then off the bench, Terry Taylor, 24 big old points, 16 big old rebounds. And even Lance Stevenson getting into the mix for 15 minutes out here, 14 points, six assists, three rebounds. So a real Real solid performance by a lot of players here by the Pacers, but this is always the end result. They lose the game with Sabonis, without Sabonis, everybody having great games. I mean, Karis LeVert had a fantastic game, and Terry Taylor coming off the bench, what a performance, but it's all for naught, and they lose the game by one point. So, Pacers will always be classic. They have zero bettability, folks. It doesn't matter. Please never bet the Pacers. That's probably the best advice we can give you. Never bet the Pacers and always bet against this other team that we're about to tell you in the next uh, probably two or three matchups. But uh, Magic get the big old win, 119-118. Alrighty, next game up, we get the Wizards at the 76ers, and what a what a win for the Wizards here, and man oh man, the 76ers, ooh, why lose this game? Joel Embiid's back, you're at home, and you lose to the Wizards without Bradley Beal, not a good loss here for the 76ers, but well done for the Wizards, Kyle Kuzma comes up, clutch, folks, clutch, Wizards up 102-100 with 12 seconds left in the fourth quarter, we get Joel Embiid, with the ball, he's going to dribble drive, but Kyle Kuzma with the giant block from behind, and that's the game. They have to play the foul game after that, and the Wizards secure the win because Kyle Kuzma's defense, yes, yes, yes. That's what we were kind of waiting for last game where they lost. We wanted to see Kyle Kuzma be just a little bit more aggressive offensively and just kind of, you know, he was vocal. He was the vocal leader, but we want to see that kind of on floor action leader and that's what we got from Kyle Kuzma last night so very well done by Kyle Kuzma no Bradley Beal he's really the only star on this team if you want to call him a star but Kyle Kuzma 24 points led the team in scoring three assists seven rebounds three blocks throughout the game and the biggest one being the game winning block on the potential MVP Joel Embiid I mean you can't get any better than that so a huge win for the Wizards last night and I mean, this is what their starting lineup was. We get KCP, four points on 20% shooting. Daniel Gafford at the five, only nine points. He only took seven shots. It's the big. We can give him a free pass. But then Aaron Holiday, two points on two shots. Spencer Dinwiddie had a really nice performance at the one. 14 points, 10 assists, 12 rebounds, a triple-double. And then some real solid performances from the bench. We get Corey Crispert, 11.6 rebounds. Rui Hachimura, 11 points. And then Montrez Harrell, 14 points, three assists, three rebounds, a plus 10 on the floor in his 26 minutes, and we've seen Montrezl Harrell be super aggressive offensively. Like, we like Montrezl Harrell, but we don't want him to be this aggressive offensively. In these last two games, this man is taking shots and not apologizing. He took the third most shots last night, even though he's coming off the bench, and even though he's the big, he's the five, but well done. We like Montrezl Harrell. I've never, I never got the knock on Montrezl Harrell. We see him kind of riding the bench the last two seasons, always kind of, you know, coming off the bench and he's been getting great performances, great contribution here offensively, defensively for every team that he hits. So we love Montrezl Harrell, but he's being super aggressive, and I guess we can't knock it. They just won last night. So well done for well done for the Wizards, honestly. We'll see 
I don't think they can get back to that kind of, you know, number one spot that they were early, early on in the season. But uh, maybe they can make a nice, you know, playoff push, maybe a tough out round one. We'll see how it all goes. But they definitely need to be better with Bradley Beal. Seems like they may be a little bit better without Bradley Beal, which is never good great really um so we'll see maybe do you even do you trade Bradley Beal the trade deadline does he want to be traded probably not but we'll see how all that goes out we get the trade deadline and I think like eight or nine days so it's going to be real interesting how that shakes up the NBA which teams are truly going to sell by trading their good role players and all that and which teams are going to get even better getting those role players so we'll see how that all that shakes out but a real solid win here for the Wizards last night all right, and then for the 76ers, you cannot lose this game. Truly cannot lose this game, man. Man, oh, man. Joel Embiid back. You know, he rested the last game, and he came out still real real good. I mean, 27 points, led the team in scoring, 14 rebounds, 6 assists. Very well done by Joel Embiid. We get Tobias Harris, 18 points, 9 rebounds. Tyrese Maxey at the 1, 22 points, 7 assists, 8 rebounds. I love Tyrese Maxey so gosh dang much. A plus 9 on the floor. That was the high plus minus for the 76ers last night. Tyrese Maxey is the real deal, folks. If y'all don't know, y'all better get acclimated because Tyrese Maxey is going to be taking over the league here. In the 76ers team, they're definitely, you know, championship contenders without Ben Simmons because of how well Tyrese Maxey plays. Um, and then off the bench, we get anything good. We get Georges Niang, 12 points, three rebounds. He's going to be a big old key for the 76ers team having success. We need this consistent bench production uh, that we kind of got last night. Isaiah Joe, a solid 11 points as well. So 76ers come up just short. Joel Embiid tries to tie it up, but Kyle Kuzma says not nah, uh, uh, and gets the game winning block. Wizards win 106 to 103. All right, next game up here, Hornets at the Celtics. And why we can't bet this Hornets team is truly unfortunate. This Hornets team, they should be so much better, but they don't know how to win games. They don't know how to close out games. They got good pieces. They got young talent, but they don't know how to win. And that's why we cannot bet this Hornets team. They are still, they still have like zero bet ability for us, folks. So Hornets lose 107 to 113 to the Celtics last night. For the Celtics, we get Jason Tatum, 19 points, 9 assists, 6 rebounds. He didn't shoot well at all. 1 of 7 from the 3, 37% shooting on 16 shots. Jalen Brown, only 15 points, 6 assists, 6 rebounds. I mean, when Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are kind of combining for under 40 points, you must take advantage and win that game. But once again, the Hornets don't. We cannot bet on this Hornets team. They are super inconsistent. Um, they can put up a lot of points. They can not put up any points, lose, win, doesn't matter, but they're not consistent any. Stay away from betting the Hornets. Oh, uh, we get Marcus Martin. He's been having a real nice stretch of games out here, big time. 22 points, 6 assists, 4 rebounds. Fantastic at the 1, shooting 63%. And then the bench here. Well done, Josh Richardson, 23 points. Grant Williams, 12 points. And this is what we've wanted to see from the Celtics. Exploring your bench, exploring your other role players here. And Josh Richardson got it done. So we'll see if they continue to use that man. And then for the Hornets, we get LaMelo Ball, 38 points, 9 assists, 6 rebounds. Wonderful. Fantastic. 
Fantastic. Still don't get the win. Why we cannot bet them? Terry Rozier, 23 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds. Mason Plumley, 5 points but 17 rebounds. P.J. Washington in the starting lineup at the 4, 16 points, 7 rebounds. We get Kelly Oubre Jr. coming off the bench, 15 points, 4 steals, 3 rebounds. He didn't shoot well, 25%, 1 of 7 from the 3. But overall, we had some real good performances from the usual suspects out here, and it's not resulting in the wins. They must figure out how to take that next step of winning games. Yes, getting stats and putting up the points, that's good, but we need to take the next step here. This Hornets team is too good to not be taking that next step. Unfortunate, but well done for the Celtics. Let's give them a little bit of credit here. They've been, they've turned the corner, folks. They have truly turned the corner. Bad ability is starting to rise for the Celtics team. We get them 7-3 and three in their last 10. That's basically best, tied for best here in the Eastern Conference with uh, the 76ers going 7-3 and three in their last 10, the Cavs going 7-3 and three in their last 10, and the Hawks going 7-3 and three in their last 10. And we truly know the Hawks have turned a corner. So, alrighty, Celtics got out to not the best start here, but they've been cleaning it up, and maybe we can start betting on the Celtics team a little bit more regular out here. So they get the win 113-107. All right, next game up here, and uh, this is our new sponsor, folks. Welcome. I want everybody to welcome this team with open arms. They are a sponsor of the show, folks, so y'all need to be treating this team with the utmost respect. Do y'all understand me? Uh, you can't be making us look like clowns over here, okay? We're just getting, we're just getting these sponsors and all that. So the Grizzlies win against the Knicks, 120-108. to 108. We told y'all Grizzlies minus four. That was the only bet we had going last night. It was the best bet we loved. It only had to swallow four points. I would have swallowed 10 and been like, yeah, that's still the best bet, and it still would have covered. But the Grizzlies win 120 to 108. The New York Knicks are the newest sponsors here of Takes by Fans. Always bet against the Knicks. You can use promo code Takes by Fans in any betting app, folks. Caesars, DraftKings, FanDuel, um, Points Bet. Do y'all use Points Bet? Uh, don't use that. <laughs> don't use that. Uh, but yeah, you can use Takes by Fans, folks. And it's a guarantee win. You bet the Knicks, takes by fans promo code, and the money will already be in your account. You don't even have to you, you don't even have to wait till the game's over. The money will just be in your account. You can always bet against the Knicks, folks. They are that bad. We had our sponsors with the Carolina Panthers during the NFL season, the final eight weeks, betting against the Panthers, against the spread every single week, cashing in every single week because our sponsors are reliable, folks. I don't I don't go with any any unreliable sponsors sponsors here by takes by fans folks okay batting against the Knicks it will always hit folks the Knicks are not good unfortunate for the Knicks but they're not good they're not like last year don't let any Knicks fans fool you into thinking this team's good this is not a good team at all there's not even one good bright spot on this team folks absolutely zero so, Grizzlies get the win, 120 to 108 to cover the four points. Absolutely magnificent. John Morant didn't shoot well, 33% on 27 shots, but he still got it done. 23 points, nine assists, a plus 13 on the floor. That's how bad the Knicks are. John Morant can shoot 33%, and they still win by 12. Okay, not good. This Knicks team can barely cross 100 points, folks. Like, this is a high scoring game for the Knicks, 108. And I don't know, newsflash here, the new NBA, I mean, Teams are putting up points consistently. We just had the Hornets put up 156 like last week. So, Knicks, folks, truly bad team. Truly bad team. 
Alrighty, so we had Josh Moran, very well done. Desmond Bain, 13 points, 7 rebounds. Steven Adams did play. We said he was a game-time decision when we were breaking down the game. He did go. 2 points, we know he's not the offensive big, but those 13 rebounds, 8 of those offensive. How do you give up 8 offensive rebounds, Knicks? What are you doing? The Knicks, uh, well, Mitchell Robinson had 7 offensive rebounds, so how do you give up 7 offensive rebounds, Grizzlies, right? Uh, but well done for Steven Adams. Fantastic big down there, and he frees... Uh, like, he's, his addition, this was addition by subtraction here for the Grizzlies. You get rid of Valanchunas, who's a ball-dominant, very good offensive big. But Steven Adams, he's a great big, defensive big, but he doesn't need the ball in his hands. Opens up everybody else on the floor, folks. Addition by subtraction here by this Grizzlies team. Who would have thought that's what it would have taken? Then we get Zaire Williams in the starting lineup at the four. 21 points, three assists, four rebounds. Jaron Jackson Jr., 26 points, 10 rebounds. And then we got the bench. De'Anthony Melton, 14 points. And Brandon Clark, 10 points, seven rebounds in only 17 minutes, folks. Deep, deep, deep stars all over the place. Well done for the Grizzlies getting the win. And then let's talk about the Knicks, folks, shall we? Evan Fournier finally having a fantastic game. 30 points on 61% shooting, but they still lose. They still lose and get blown out by 12. A 12 anything more than 10 points is a blowout in the NBA, folks. So this Knicks team, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how well they play when Evan Fournier has his one good game a month. They're losing. 40, 30 points, 5 rebounds for Evan Fournier. We get Mitchell Robinson at the 5, 14 points, 11 rebounds. Julius Randle, their best player, 18 points, 9 assists, 12 rebounds. Still not enough to get it done. And R.J. Barrett had a pretty solid night of 23 points and 4 rebounds. No good bench at all. Emmanuel quickly, 11 points, but the man shot 27% on 11 shots. Still not getting any of their other young guys involved. Obi Toppin is still only playing 11 minutes out here. So, And then Kemba Walker at the one zero points and two assists in 17 minutes folks i mean what are we doing out here so the knicks folks stay away from betting them always bet against them and you can hit with us folks grizzlies win 120 to 108 all right we're going a little bit long here let's kind of uh you know Speed it up a little bit for the uh, remaining games here. We get the Cavs at the Rockets. Cavs lose this game, and that's because Darius Garland. We told y'all we couldn't bet this game because of no Darius Garland, and that's how it plays out. Rockets get the win, 115-104. to 104. For the Rockets last night, Christian Wood, the five, their best player, 21 points, seven rebounds, four assists, two steals. Pretty solid night overall. We get Jalen Green at the one, 21 points, five assists, five rebounds. And then the bench, real solid production by Garrison Matthews, 16 points, five rebounds and Kenyon Martin with a nice 10 points in 17 minutes. So, well done for the Rockets. They win a game, but this changes nothing for them from us, folks. This is still not a good team. No bad ability there. But for the Cavs, I mean, you're not having that kind of guard. No Darius Garland, so can't bet them. They lose. We get C.D. Osmond filling in at the 1. 13 points, but only 1 assist. That's not what Darius Garland does. He gets the assist with the points. Uh, Brandon Goodwood, 7 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds. So the scoring with the assisting was just not there with the guards. Jared Allen had a little bit of a lackluster night, only putting up 11 points because there was nobody to facilitate the floor here for the Cavs. 11.6 rebounds for Jared Allen. Evan Mobley, very well done. You can count on the rookie when people are out. I mean, that just that's extraordinary, folks. Evan Mobley led the team in scoring. 29 points, 12 rebounds, very well done. And then Kevin Love, always consistent as usual. 21 points, 13 rebounds coming off the bench, but truly missing 
Darius Garland last night, and they lose 115-104. to 104. Now we get the Thunder at the Mavericks, and the Mavericks lose in overtime, folks, to this Thunder team. That's why, you know, I, I was never buying this uh, Mavericks team. They were on that, like, that seven-game winning streak, and we were still a little hesitant, you know, giving them all the credit, embracing this team, you know, uh, climbing up the bet ability. We were hesitant to do so, and I think I'm glad we did. I mean, I think they've lost their last two games, just lost last night to the Thunder, 120-114 to 114 in overtime. You can't be losing to the Thunder, folks. No disrespect to the Thunder, but this is not a team you want to be losing losing against. Lugan Stort had a great night, 30 points, 6 rebounds. Uh, no Shea Gillis-Alexander, and that makes it even worse that you're losing against this Thunder team. We can shout out Josh Giddy filling in at the 1. Fantastic night, 14 points, 10 assists, 7 rebounds. Absolutely wonderful. And even Trey Mann at the 2 had a wonderful night of 29 points. The man shot 6 of 8 from 3. Darius Baisley with a double-double off the bench, 13 points, 11 rebounds. And Ty Jerome with another 11 points coming off the bench. So this Thunder team, are they on a nice 2? game winning streak are they gonna turn the corner without Shea Gillis Alexander has Shea Gillis Alexander been holding this team back on a two-game win streak folks it's interesting it's blasphemous to say that they're better without Shea Gillis Alexander but they got two straight wins so we'll see if this is a turner corner here for this Thunder team we'll see they get the win and then for the Mavericks, we got Luka Doncic doing his thing. 40 points, 10 assists, 6 rebounds. Classic Luka Doncic game. No Porzingis for them. So Dwight Powell at the 5, 4 points, 1 rebound, 2 assists. Nothing like Porzingis. Jalen Brunson a solid 20 points. Reggie Bullock 23 points, 8 rebounds coming off the bench. But just could not be consistent in overtime. Thunder get the win 120-114. to 114. Now we get the Nuggets and the Jazz, and nobody was playing in this game. None of the big names were in this game, but the Jazz come away with the win, 108-104 for the Jazz. No Hassan Whiteside, no Jordan Clarkson, no Rudy Gobert, no Donovan Mitchell. So they come out with the win. Congratulations. And then for the Nuggets, no Aaron Gordon, no Jokic, and they still kept it close. Well done. Um, Brent Forbes, leading scorer for the Nuggets. Big time shout-out to that, man. He's going to be a huge piece um, uh, to see if this Nuggets team can make a little bit of noise in the playoffs. Obviously, they need Jokic, but Brins Forbes' offensive capabilities is what the Nuggets truly need. And uh, he had 26 points on 76% shooting last night. Wonderful job. Nuggets lose, but kept it close, 108 to 104. Then we get the Nets at the Kings, and this Nets team, folks, man, oh, man, it's it's ending bad here. Big ol', I mean, it was the talk of the town. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, they were going to win ring after ring after ring after ring, and here they are, no rings, and Kevin Durant's injured, and Kyrie Irving can only play road games, and James Harden's getting fed up because there's no consistency here. You know, he, he, you know, he they sold it as, hey, James Harden, why don't you come play with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant? Let's get it going. And now you're not playing with any of those players. It's like, why am I? even here I'm in Brooklyn do I want to live in Brooklyn you know no disrespect to Brooklyn but do we want to live do we want to live in Brooklyn folks I don't know it's nice to visit to talk about it's a nice scene but I don't know if I want to live there um that's why you know no big stars ever go to Brooklyn you know they they all came to Brooklyn because they wanted to play together in the team and you know I doubt I, I I doubt they're actually living in Brooklyn you know what I mean but let's stop knocking Brooklyn, shall we? James Harden, four points on 18% shooting. Not James Harden-esque at all. 12 assists. That's James Harden-esque. Seven rebounds. One, well done. But we need the offense here. That's what this Nets team is lacking. 
Uh, Kyrie Irving only 14 points on 33% shooting. And then Nicholas Claxton. When Nicholas Claxton is your leading scorer, folks, you know you've already lost the game. 23 points, 11 rebounds. Well done, but, you know, he's... He's a he's like a he's not a big folks. He, he I don't want this man at my as my starting five. And it's no disrespect to him, but you know look at all the other bigs. Are you taking Nicholas Claxton over them? No, you're not. And then Patty Mills, a solid performance of 14 points. James Johnson coming off the bench with 18 points helped keep it decently competitive, if you can call it that. For the Kings last night, no De'Aaron Fox. So, Davian Mitchell still in the starting lineup. 18 points, 3 assists, 5 rebounds. Tyrese Halliburton, 12 points, 11 assists. Fantastic. And Harrison Barnes, a solid 19 points. Off the bench, Buddy Heald, 3 of 9 from 3, 18 points. Chimize, met 2, 11 points, 12 rebounds. Well done. And once again, trade deadline. Watch out for the Kings. They've got expendable pieces out here. We'll see if they trade any of them. Kings get the win, 112-101. Then the final game of the night, the Blazers at the Lakers. Lakers get the win, 99-94. Disappointed in the Blazers for losing this game, losing against a LeBron-less Lakers team. Unfortunate. Anthony Davis got it done, 30 points, 15 rebounds. Russell Westbrook, 9 points, 13 assists, 10 rebounds, 4 turnovers, 25% shooting. A classic Russell Westbrook game overall. And then Carmelo Anthony, always solid here for this Lakers team. 24 points, 8 rebounds coming off the bench. Enough to get it done. Also, shout, uh, not no shout-out to Malik Monk. 7 points on 20% shooting, 1 of 6 from 3. We need him to be more consistent, especially without LeBron James. He definitely has to step it up more. And then for the Blazers last night, Anthony Simons, 19 points, 3 assists. CJ McCollum, 15 points, 3 assists, 8 rebounds. Nurchich. 16 points, 13 rebounds, and Norman Powell, 30 points, 5 rebounds. So, you know, those are their best players, and they all got it done. Robert Covington shot 0% on 8 shots for 0 points. He did have 4 steals, 9 assists, and 13 rebounds, so we will give him that. But we need offense here for the Blazers. Need a little bit more depth. That's the big problem with no um, Damian Lillard because now Anthony Simons has to come up off the bench. And now you don't got a bench. I mean, we get Ben McLemore shooting one of nine off the bench. What is that going to do? How is that helping? It's not, folks. So Blazers, man, oh, man, we're going to have to kind of start, uh, you know, uh, selling this Blazers team. We were buying them for a nice period. Anthony Simons getting it done, getting points with them, hitting those bets. But these last couple of games leaving a bad taste in our mouth. Lakers get the win, 99 to 94 Alrighty, that was all the NBA from last night. Let's quickly see what we have on tap for tonight. See if we can hit another nice pick tonight today. Maybe a double pick, a triple pick. Where is the value? We'll take all the value that we can find. So here we go. First game up is the Timberwolves at the Pistons. Timberwolves minus seven, Pistons plus seven. Timberwolves, a nice uh, couple of games here, two-game winning streak, getting it done. For the Timberwolves, Patrick Beverly, a game-time decision. D'Angelo Russell, a game-time decision. Are we finally going to get the big three all back together? And then for the Pistons, we get Cade Cunningham, a game-time decision. Josh Jackson, a game-time decision as well. I like this Timberwolves team. I don't know if I want to bet against the Pistons at the current moment. We just got Jeremy Grant back. So uh, let's uh, use this as a gauge game to see if the Pistons are, are can become like the real deal now that Jeremy Grant's back. So I like the Timberwolves, and I like them minus seven. But I am going to stay away from it because Jeremy Grant. So if Jeremy Grant gives you no pause... Timberwolves minus seven. I would definitely take that. But we are going to officially stay away from this. 
Then we get the Suns at the Hawks. Suns minus four, Hawks plus four. All right, interesting here. For the Suns, Jay Crowder, game time decision. Frank Kaminsky is still out. Cameron Payne is still out. Dario Sherrick is still out. And DeAndre Ayton is a game time decision. DeAndre Ayton, you better be out there. You just got back in the starting lineup. Damn, stay out there. Um, and then for the Hawks, we get Trey Young, a game time decision with DeAndre Hunter, a game time decision. So Suns only minus four here. I know this Hawks team has turned a corner, but are they the real deal? This is the game. The Suns on the 11 game win streak. We know they are the real deal and we only have to swallow four. I'm going to take the Suns here, folks. The depth of the Suns and just how they played against the Nets was just so fantastic. Um, you know, the Nets hitting threes and then the Suns immediately answering that, never letting the Nets kind of give any get any confidence or momentum working offensively here. So the Hawks, they're going to be in for a fight here. They're going to have to grit it out. And, uh, you know, they're at home, so that's a benefit to the Hawks here. But I'm going to say that uh, I, I think they are, you know, decently the deal. I don't know about the real deal here, and uh, I'm going to swallow the four here for the Suns. I don't know if I'm trusting the Hawks 100%, and we'll see what they are truly made of. But only having to swallow four here with the Suns team. Suns are the best team in the league, folks, deep, and they're lethal offensively. We'll swallow four with them. All right, then we get the Bulls at the Raptors. Ooh, this one's tough to call. Damn. Bulls plus three and a half. Raptors minus three and a half. These are two really good teams here in the Eastern Conference. For the Bulls, Alex Caruso is still out. Zach Levine is a game time decision. That is interesting. We definitely need him. We need all the all the stars out for the Bulls on a nightly basis. And then for the Raptors, everybody is good to go there. So, going to stay away from this one. The Raptors are good. The Bulls are good. Uh, don't know how I want to kind of call this game. No great value on the spread line, so we'll stay away from it. Then we get the Heat at the Spurs, and man, oh man, the dogs have been letting us down, so we definitely need this Heat team to win this game to get back in our good graces. For the Heat, Kyle Lowry is a game-time decision. Jimmy Butler is a game-time decision. B.J. Tucker is a game-time decision. Caleb Martin is a game-time decision. For the Spurs, Doug McDermott, game-time decision. Jacob Podol is out. Ooh, their big is out, so Bam Adebayo should have a really good game tonight. And then DeJounte Murray is a game-time decision, so going to stay away from it and I know that pains me to say not betting on the heat I know folks but they got to get back in our good graces here before we can officially start picking them and betting them we've already got to you know play tonight so we don't need to push anything we'll stay away from it and use it as a gauge game for the heat then we get the Lakers at the Clippers. Lakers at the Clippers. Lakers on the back to back. We're staying away from it. And Kings at the Warriors. Kings on the back to back. We stay away from this one as well. So only taking one game again tonight, folks. I know it's not. It's not fun. Only taking one game. You know, that's not going to be the big hit today. But you know, slowly but surely building that bankroll. Absolutely. Suns minus four. Building off of. Grizzlies minus four yesterday, folks. So, Suns minus four, our official pick for tonight. Alrighty, that is all the NBA we had to go over, so now let's shift gears to the NFL, and before we get to our film study, there are a couple of stories I do want to touch upon, so let's go down the list here. In the first one up, we hear from the other side. We heard from Brian Flores all day yesterday, making some allegations, providing some proof and all that, and now we're hearing from Stephen Ross. Stephen Ross promises to cooperate with the league and defend the integrity of the Dolphins and himself. So let's hear what he's saying about it. Once again, the allegation, Brian Flores saying, hey, Stephen Ross offered me $100,000 for every game I lost. So 
what's what's up with that? And once again, that's that's that, that cannot be proven true, folks. If this comes out to be proven true, I honestly may be done, you know, rooting for the Dolphins, having that being my official team here. Honestly, that goes every everything that we stand for on the show. We all stand for big competition, best competition. That's what I love most about the sports is the competition factor. And if teams are actively tanking, we know, you know, that's always a thing. Oh, should the team tank and all that? We're always against that. Even for Tua, tank for Tua, we never got behind that. Losing on purpose, it does nothing, folks. I know y'all like to, y'all love the two buzzwords. Let's build a foundation and let's, uh, you know, tank so we can get good pieces so then we can be good next year. Those are two things y'all love to say over and over and over and over and over and over again for 50 years and it still doesn't work out. Y'all have to update the thinking a little bit. Don, stop tanking. It doesn't work. Stop building the foundation. Win games. That's that winning clear wins. Winning cures all, folks. Honestly, you win, everything comes with that. People's attitude changes. Oh, we're winning. Everything's positive. That's where the foundation, that's where your foundation comes from. You don't build a foundation to get the wins. The wins are the foundation. Win, 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 win. It it attracts all the talent. It attracts the money. It attracts the coaches. Win, win, win. Stop with the nonsense of losing games. I will never get behind that. I can never support it, folks. And if my team my owner is telling my team to lose games actively. That's a big old slap in the face to the fans, folks. Honestly, big old, huge old double hand slap, 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 slap. It's like a triple slap, folks. Like, uh, what did the five fingers say to the face? I'm Rick James, bitch. I mean, that's how disrespectful that is actively losing games. Fans spending their time and their money investing in a team while you're like, yeah, I don't care. I've got the money. Oh, the fans want to see a win? Well, that's too bad for them. I'm, I'm here to make money. So we're going to be losing games out here. So I will never get behind that, and I can truly never endorse it. So they better hope that this is false. It's a big allegation to kind of throw out there without any proof, folks, honestly. So I'm sure Brian Flores, uh, you know, once again, we're going to wait for all the information. But, uh, you know, to throw that out there in that specific dollar amount out there, uh, it, it, it it could be definitely true, folks. So we we hope it's not. I truly hope it's not true. But if it is, we're going to have a talk here, folks. We're going to have to have a talk here on the show. A talk I truly do not want to have. But uh, let's see what this man is saying, defending his integrity. All right. And did you see everybody's statements yesterday? The NFL, the teams, uh, Hugh Jackson now saying, you know, hey, I was tanking. <laughs> Hugh Jackson's like, oh, I was tanking too, and I was paid to tank too. And that's a little bit of a different situation, but we are going to talk about that when we get to it. Uh, but, you know, everybody immediately saying, oh, there's no merit. These are all baseless, blah, blah, blah. It's like, y'all were kind of maybe overcompensating in what y'all were saying. Because, uh, you know, what we've seen so far, solid evidence proving Brian Flores has somewhat of a case. But here we go. Stephen Ross, what do we got by this man? What are you saying? Here we go. Ross responded publicly to the allegations in the lawsuit for the first time Wednesday night. Wednesday night, once again, you know, the NFL probably sent somebody down and be like, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to fix it. This is how we're moving along. Uh, we didn't get an immediate response out of Stephen Ross. We're going to get it uh, lawyer talk here. We're going to get the NFL kind of helping Stephen Ross out here. Yes, there will be an internal, independent investigation, I'm sure. 
Mm, okay, okay. But here we go. <laughs> Regardless, but let's uh, let's backtrack a little bit. Let's get back to the quote here, the response by Stephen Ross. He says, quote, with regards to the allegations being made by Brian Flores, I am a man of honor and integrity and cannot let them stand without responding. I mean, right off the rip, folks. I mean, talk about overcompensating. I am a man of honor. I am a man of integrity and I cannot let them stand without responding. Um, I can I can stand for about six hours until I'm told what to do and what to say and how to handle it from the NFL, but I, I cannot let this stand any minute longer because my lawyer's here now and I can officially respond. So, all right, Stephen Ross, a little bit grandstanding, at, you know, coming out hot at the forefront. You know, that, that, that doesn't always mean guilty. I understand it, folks, but it has a good percentage of being, you know, you know nonsense. But, He's a man of integrity and honor, folks. He keeps going, says, quote, I take great personal exception to these malicious attacks and the truth must be known. His allegations are false, malicious, and defamatory. They definitely would be defamatory. So once again, Brian Flores, you know, he seems like a smart guy. He's got a lawyer. A lawyer's not going to kind of advise you to actively say and put in court documents, hey, I, he offered me $100,000 for every loss without some proof. So... It's going to be interesting, but uh, quote, I take great personal exception to these malicious attacks and the truth must be known. His allegations are false, malicious, and defamatory. We understand there are media reports stating that the NFL intends to investigate his claims and we will co cooperate fully. I welcome the investigation and I am eager to defend my personal integrity and the integrity and values of the entire Miami Dolphins organization from these baseless unfair disparaging claims and once again this was all the teams every team that put out a statement on Brian Flores the league the NFL putting out a statement on Brian Flores all saying baseless unfair disparaging uh, malicious false the truth shall be known and the people who always kind of claim oh the truth is going to come out I want the truth to be known once again, folks, history, we, we have a nice body of work to kind of point back to and be like, oh, well, these people acted the same way, and they weren't the most innocent, so we're kind of getting the same thing here. Once again, we're going to, you know, keep the open mind here. We're going to always evaluate the evidence that comes in. Seeing, you know, what, uh, you know, is true, confirmed true and what's, uh, you know, not confirmed true, but possibly true and keeping that in mind and then going back and reassessing and all that. So we don't know who's telling the truth here, but uh, we hope we get to the bottom of it and we all find out. But um, Stephen Ross saying, hey, my integrity is at stake and I intend to defend myself. Absolutely. Um, alrighty, so, and once again, these are the exact comments by Brian Flores. He went on, uh, like a little bit of a media tour, maybe just one CBS morning show, something like that. Uh, but Flores addressed the Ross allegations during an appearance on Get Up earlier Wednesday saying, quote, there was a conversation about not doing as much as we needed to do in order to win football games. Take a flight, go on vacation, I'll give you $100,000 per loss. Those were his exact words. I deal in truth. I tell the players this as well. I'm going to give you good news, bad news, but it's going to be honest. To, dis to disrespect... 
the game like that, trust was lost, and there were certainly some strained relationships, and ultimately, I think there was my, that was my demise in Miami. So, we get Brian Flores still alleging. Uh, he said, quote, Take a flight, go on vacation, I'll give you $100,000 per loss. Those were his exact words, so... If that's what he's saying, folks, that's not good. Um, and, you know, there is a difference between because this is kind of, you know, from what I'm understanding from Hugh Jackson, uh, who's kind of, you know, going on. This is a um, it's a clash class action lawsuit. So people can join into the lawsuit here. This isn't just Brian Flores versus these people. He's leaving it open for anybody else that has kind of faced the same. And Hugh Jackson has came out. And said, yeah, I was doing the same thing. But this one seems a little bit different from Hugh Jackson. And this where we could, you know, this whole thing can get a little bit muddy right here. From what my understanding on Hugh Jackson, because he's been, you know, he doesn't, uh, Hugh Jackson has been talking to everybody and has not been, like, saying exactly what's been going on. He's, like, talking around it weirdly. So I don't know if Hugh Jackson is really somebody that we should be taking at full face value but from what my understanding is Hugh Jackson um just felt like the team wasn't good enough to win so that's where he was saying oh yeah they were paying me to lose because the team was so bad I couldn't even win with the team like that's different from the owner saying hey you lose these games on purpose and I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars just because Hugh Jackson wasn't a good coach and didn't know how to evaluate talent that doesn't mean that the owner was paying you to lose games so, I, I don't know if I believe Hugh Jackson, but once again, we'll see what all the information comes out. Where Brian Flores is saying, hey, he actively told me, hey, every loss you have, I will give you $100,000. I mean, that's incentivizing losing, where Hugh Jackson was just like, my team was so trash, I couldn't win with it. Like, <laughs> those are two different situations, like totally different. So, we'll see what Hugh Jackson brings to this lawsuit, but I don't know, I don't know if it's going to be anything good. And then we get the Browns releasing a statement on Hugh Jackson saying, quote, the recent comments by Hugh Jackson in his representatives relating to his tenure as our head coach are completely fabricated. Any accusation that any member of our organization was incentivized to deliberately lose games is categorically false. So we'll see how that all that plays out, but that's where we are currently. Brian Flores, Hugh Jackson now saying, hey, we both got paid to lose games. Stephen Ross saying, no, 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 I'm defending myself. And the Browns saying, yeah, this this is nonsense. So we'll see how it all plays out, folks. We got uh, the season of lawsuits. And, uh, you know, I... I, is this good? Is this entertain? It's entertaining, not for good reasons, but you know we'll keep it uh, updated here, and we'll see how the season, the off season of lawsuits play out. Deshaun Watson, Brian Flores, see how all these uh, guys fare in uh, the court of law, the eyes of the law, folks. All right, what else do we get here? We get this, and this is interesting, and um, I'm, I'm interested to see this, and um, yeah, I'm kind of glad that it's said, but you know. 
here it is. Uh, Lions general manager Brad Holmes on Jared Goff says, quote, Jared knows what he has to do this offseason heading into 2022. He's got to show improvement. Yes, yes. Once again, the entire Lions have to show improvement. We've got over, you know, y'all, you know, they did build a little bit of the foundation last season, folks. But we'll see. Is this the outlier of the foundation rule? They built the foundation last year, winning culture, being in the game, always competitive, right down to the wire, rarely blown out. Dan Campbell doing his best, energetic, getting everybody to go 100% in every game, even though they were meaningless games. I mean, ever since week three, when they started 0-3, we knew the season was over. So every other game besides week three was a meaningless game, and they still rose to the occasion were competitive. So they built the ground floor, but now we need to see wins. And we saw, we heard from Dan Campbell um, uh, earlier this season um, say, hey, yeah, Jared Goff, of course I want him back. He's he's our guy. Never kind of questioning it. But now we get the general manager saying, yeah, okay, Jared Goff, he's our guy now, but we need to see him get better. He knows what he needs to do. He's got this offseason. Seems like so far it's on a short leash with Jared Goff saying, you know, he you know he knows what he needs to do in the offseason. You know, he needs he know he need. He knows what he needs to do next season. No, no, no. We're talking offseason here. So look for a potential extra quarterback brought in, either through the draft or free agency, to push Jared Goff. And if Jared Goff wants to keep the starting job for the Lions, he must show big-time improvement here. Uh, so here we go. The quote from general manager says, quote, I, I'm always open for whatever. We're still in the early stages of it. We've got a good feel of the class. We're at a much better place at this stage of the process than last year, but still we've got a lot more work to do, but I'm never scared to move around. So we'll, we're definitely open for business. Talking about, you know, their draft pick and all that, you know, who you they who are they considering drafting and all that. So they are still open to a potential quarterback. And then says this right here on Jared Goff says, quote, Jared knows what he has to do this offseason heading into 2022. He's got to show improvement. He finished the season off the second half well. Uh, was it well? It wasn't good. I think well is below good. So yeah, maybe it was well. He played well. He played okay. Is okay worse than well? Okay, well, good. Okay, good, well. I think he played okay. I don't know about well or good. Uh, but he finished the season off that second half well. He battled through some adversity early, but I like how he stayed the course, played some good football late, but we're, but he's got to show up and do it again and compete. And compete, folks. The big word right there, compete. Got to see these kind of close losses turn into wins next season. So, Jared Goff, you know, you probably got one more chance. I mean, I didn't. you probably don't deserve one more chance, but you're getting another chance here. Make the most of it. Show that you can get it done, or you'll just be another quarterback in the league. So we'll see how the Lions handle Jared Goff and if they draft somebody, but that's where they are with him at the current moment. Then some coaching news here. Jim Harbaugh, who is kind of rumored to be going to the Vikings. He's not. He's staying in Michigan, folks. Uh, John Harbaugh will return to Michigan as head coach despite interviewing for the Vikings. And I think they, they may have had like two interviews. So the Vikings were truly interested in uh, Jim Harbaugh, but not going to go at it. And I always thought it was a weird fit for him to go to Minnesota. Um, I don't think it's a great spot at the current moment. I mean, Delvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, you can't win with them. You kind 
kind of have to start fresh there. You've got some nice young talent in Justin Jefferson. What about Adam Thielen? Are you going to be able to keep him? So really the only bright spot would be Justin Jefferson, a wide receiver. And, uh, you know, we saw this season that you can draft wide receivers and they can have a huge-ass impact. You don't need to kind of play a waiting game with receivers anymore. Jamar Chase, he's, he should be MVP. He should be Super Bowl MVP. He should be Rookie of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year. Give Jamar Chase every single award that there is this season. So, Jim Harbaugh staying in Michigan and uh, yeah, didn't even want to take the Vikings job. So, we'll see which coach gets stuck with that and how that plays out. But it doesn't seem like the Vikings are that desired of a destination so far. All right, and then <laughs> we get this, folks, and I can't wait till next season. I know the season's not even over, but I need to know what's going to happen with this Panthers team because we are going to be clowning them. And I'm sorry to the fans in, in advance, folks. I know, you know, nobody likes hearing their team get knocked in any form of the media, big-time national media, or just people, you know, trying to make it in the in <laughs> trying to make it in the industry, trying to make it in the business. I get it. But, I mean, the Panthers, folks, we have to have a real conversation. Like, if you want to point to, you know, oh, you know, what evidence of racism, what evidence is there of racism in the NFL? Well, just look at Matt Rule, because that man is the worst head coach of all time, folks. So, that definitely speaks to racism in the NFL, okay? That Matt Rule still has a job. You fired that man after year one. Maybe, maybe midway season two, but he doesn't get a third year here. It's a little wild. But uh, so Matt Rule's bad. But uh, you know, once again, we see Matt Rule always trying to point the blame to somebody, firing people, letting kind of players go, getting other players in the middle of the season here because it's obviously not Matt Rule being a bad coach of why they're losing. It's always the personnel or the coaches or something like that. And the newest addition to that was offensive coordinator Joe Brady. Matt Rule fires him with like five games to go when he had Sam Darnold in and out of the lineup. When the receivers couldn't catch any balls, when they brought in Cam Newton and that didn't work, and then they lost Christian McCaffrey, Matt Rule thought it was the offensive coordinator that was bringing down the team. No, it was your lackluster plan of having Sam Darnold as the starting quarterback and then going to Cam Newton as option number two. That's why you were bad. You, Matt Rule, not the offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. So he fires him in the middle of the season, back on middle of the season, but now Joe Brady Guess where he goes, folks? The Bills are expected to hire former Panthers offensive coordinator Joe Brady as their next quarterbacks coach. So this man, who, you know, everybody was big on, a lot of people were kind of like championing the hire uh, from Matt Rule and the Panthers of bringing Joe Brady in as their offensive coordinator. Obviously never panned out. The Panthers were trash, but it's not really all on Joe Brady or maybe not on him at all. But now he's going to go and work with Josh Allen in this Bills team that has a good offense. And we'll see if this Bills team offense gets better, stays the same, or gets worse so we can judge Joe Brady. But uh, Matt Rule, you better hope this Bills team flounders next season because if Joe Brady has Josh Allen playing absurdly and this Bills offense is even better than it's been the last two seasons, Matt Rule, this all comes on you and you are a garbage head coach and should be fired immediately. As soon as we have the end 
indication of Joe Brady being a good coach, Matt Rule should be fired immediately. So we're tracking that definitely big time close. Bird's eye close next season, folks. And for uh, Matt Rule, you better hope this man flounders at his position because we will be going in and we'll be re-subscribing re to our sponsor next season of betting against the Carolina Panthers every single week. So uh, Bills are going to be hiring offensive coordinator Joe Brady as their next quarterbacks coach working with Josh Allen. Man, oh, man. Alrighty, and then the last thing, just to touch upon again, once again, the, the Washington Commanders, I'm fine with the name, you know, the name's okay, it, it wasn't going to be anything great, I mean, um, I there wasn't like one, I did still like the Washington Red Wolves, I thought that would probably be a little bit better, but Washington Commanders, okay, I'm not going to knock it, it's a, it's a name, folks, it's a name, um, and it's a, it's a different name, and that's why, you know, when you go from something that's historic, and once again, that plays into everything, people love Love the past. People love to reminisce on the past. The past is always better than the future. I don't subscribe to any of that, but okay. Um, uh, what what what's the word called? Um, uh, what's the word called when you when you love the past? You reminisce on the past. It's right on the tip of the tongue. But it's like an n m and Man, oh man, it's right. Y'all know the word I'm talking about. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, everybody always fawns over the past with rose-colored glasses, folks. So whatever name, you know, Redskins. Obviously, it wasn't a great name. It was racist, whatever you want to call it. But uh, you know, it's always going to be compared to that name and all that. But uh, other than that, the name's fine. But once again, these white jerseys, folks, I just don't like them at all. Uh, we get a little bit of a better look at them under a bright light. Once again, in that hype video, the lights were like hiding the jerseys and all that. You couldn't really see them that well. But now in in full light on a player, Jamar um, Chase Young right here, I just don't love the kind of mesh look in the I don't like the red that's on them, uh, the red color that's on the numbers right here. I like the overall red uniform and we like the gray one, but I really do not mess with these white uniforms here for the Washington Commanders, and what makes it just so much worse is that everybody's already been fixing these. I mean, when you spend two years on a new kind of rebrand name and all that, and then people on the internet, internet people, are making your design ten times better with just a tweak or two. That does like that's bad, isn't that bad, folks? That's not good. Um, so. I, I think that's like another thing I have about it. You know, we, we saw, you know, the Red Wolves and people were kind of, you know, posting those pictures and that logo and how they made it all work under every single Washington Commanders post. And it just looks so much better, honestly, than what the professionals did here. So, uh, like right here, they made this, the white uniform look so much better, just adding a little bit of yellow into the mix. And now this uniform looks better, way better than what it is at the current moment. I would be fine, you know, having to rock this every single Sunday, but this one, mm, I don't love the maroon and the white, I don't think it looks good, the maroon, maroon and the yellow right there, so... Oh, man, oh, man, this is what we're getting all year long, folks. And once again, we'll see, you know, if we just don't like it at the current moment because it's new, but I'm loving what everybody else did with it. Why, why is every other edit of this better than the actual thing? Trash. It's, tra it's a little trash. It's truly underwhelming. So, Washington Commanders, folks.
that's where we're at. Uniforms look okay. Name nothing special. But we'll see how we, you know, feel in a month, two months when we're really getting into it and seeing it in real time and all that in live action play and all that. We'll see if we come around to it. Uh, just thought it could be better, and that's where we truly have the big problem with it. It just could be better. doesn't seem like you spent two years working on this. So That's where we're at, folks. Washington Commanders. All right. All right, those are all the stories that we needed to just touch upon quickly here. So now let's head over to our film study, folks. We're going to hit one today. We'll focus on the AFC Championship today uh, watching the Bengals at the Chiefs here and we're just keying in on this Bengals defense folks they absolutely got it done the fact that you can hold the Chiefs to only three points in the second half that's big time folks and they did it twice once at home once on the road once in the regular season once in the biggest game the second biggest game that there is the AFC championship game there's only one game bigger the Super Bowl and they're gonna you know they don't have they can't face the Chiefs but they can maybe potentially hold Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford only three points in the second half and if they do that um they're gonna win the Super Bowl so we're, we're going to watch the Bengals defense here, break it down. How were they locking up the Chiefs? Were they locking up the Chiefs or were the Chiefs just not making the plays? How were how was this Bengals defense looking? How did this Bengals defense get scored upon the first three drives? Uh, so we'll look how they got scored on and then we'll see what changed in the second half. What did they switch up? What did they do different? So we'll look at and try to figure it all out to see, should we be betting on this Bengals team heading into the Super Bowl? And I also want to touch on the line today. We will, uh, Should we look at the line now? Let's look at what the line is right now. Let's predict it very quickly here. We get, uh, you know, SoFi Stadium. It is going to be an... LA so the Rams are the home team but they're not officially the home team so it's actually Rams at Bengals at Rams I mean that's what it is um, so it's Rams at Bengals at Rams um, I'm sure we're still getting the three point um, standard so Rams minus three right off the rip just because they are at home for the Super Bowl uh, the crowd is not going to be all LA Rams fans we know that by what the 49ers have been doing um, and you know the you got to have six thousand dollars just to get in so it may just all be LA people um, I don't does any Bengals fan have six thousand dollars on them to go just for the ticket let alone the cost to get there and all that I don't know, um, but they may have been saving up. I mean, you had nothing to go to in the postseason for the last 20 years with Andy Dalton, so maybe all the Bengals fans have just been saving up money for this moment to afford the $6,000 cheapest seat that there is at the Super Bowl. So I would definitely expect, you know, some some Bengals fans there, absolutely. Um, so we get uh, we're gonna kind of play to Rams minus three just off the baseline right here. We get the Rams defense very very good, and we're gonna watch it again here today. Joe Burrow, cool, calm, collected, clutch, all of that. Running game is fantastic. Rams have a good defense as well. I mean, defense wins championships, and that's where we went a little bit wrong here. Betting at the end of the season, betting in the playoffs, we forgot to factor in that defense wins championships, folks. Kansas City are great offense. We know this, but what beat them? A great defense overall. The Bengals and the Bills, we thought they were the good defense, but they weren't. Number one defense in the league, but then they cough it up at the end. That was not a real legitimate defense. The Bengals held the Chiefs to only three points in the second half. If the Bills did that, they're in this uh, AFC championship game. 
And then for the Rams, defense not allowing the 49ers to really do anything all game. And then that game-winning turnover, defense wins championships here in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. So we got this Bengals defense, absolutely fantastic. We get this Rams defense, absolutely fantastic. So really going to be close all all around, folks. And uh, that's why I'm just going to keep it at uh, Rams minus three um, just because of the home field. I think both these teams are really kind of the same great offenses that can perform under pressure, that can make the big-time throw. One veteran, one kind of you know second-year player, Joe Burrow, Matthew Stafford. But the defenses are truly what's keeping these teams going and getting uh, and like winning down the stretch here and are now playing in the Super Bowl because of the defenses. So we're going to predict the line at uh, Rams minus three here. Let's get our first look at the line here um, before it, uh, everybody starts betting on it. Has anybody bet on this game already? I, I would definitely wait until next week. I, there's no rush here. So we're predicting the line at Rams minus three, and it's Rams minus four and a half. Wow, wow, wow. So right off the rip, I'm loving the Bengals plus four and a half here. Uh, we've seen all these games come right down to the wire. Literally every single playoff game, was there maybe like one blowout here? And that was what, the Patriots blew out the Eagles? Uh, but for the most part, all these games have been close for just that alone. And once again, NFL, are they fixing these games? making them close, NFL betting, partnership, all of that. You don't think the Super Bowl would be the closest game that there is, the most entertaining, wild end of the game here. So I think just right off the rip, I am loving the Bengals plus four and a half here. We'll see how this line changes throughout the you know next week and a half, where it ends up, when to buy, when to sell. Uh, buy, 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 bet it now, bet it now. If it goes up to five, bet it now. If it goes up to six, oh my goodness, if it keeps going down, maybe wait a little bit for it to go back up or secure the value so we'll track this value here waited uh, long enough to talk about it but uh, yeah I definitely want to get a nice baseline here to see how this line moves and where the money's going and how the money's going and what day the money kind of goes on and then what how it shifts compared to all that so Bengals plus four and a half Rams minus four and a half I'm loving the plus four and a half, right? Oh, man, oh, man, man. I love it. I truly think I love that. We're not locking in any pick yet. We'll save that for next week, but mm, Rams plus four and a half, folks. I don't know if we're getting any better value than that. I don't know if that ever goes up, but we'll see how this line fluctuates. All right, now let's go to the actual Bengals at Chiefs game here and watch this Bengals defense lock it up. But first, let's get a nice baseline here. Let's watch these touchdown scores. They did come in the red zone. The first one came first and goal from the 10-yard line. The second one came from the Cincinnati Bengals 5-yard line on third and two. And then the last one came on first and goal from the 3-yard line. So we know this Bengals defense can lock up in the red zone, and they definitely did. They definitely have, you know, in the previous games. We saw it against kind of the Titans approaching the red zone. We saw it against the Raiders, absolutely. Um, the Chiefs weren't able to get into the red zone in the second half of the uh, of the game here. But let's see how, let's get a baseline of how they were kind of getting scored on and see what adjustments they made in the second half because holding the Chiefs to only three points in a half, folks, that is one of the biggest accomplish accomplishments you could do in all of football. So let's take the first touchdown. Here we go. We get first and goal from the 10-yard line. We get Patrick Mahomes under center. We get two safeties. 
for the Bengals. We get Patrick Mahomes plenty of time to throw. Bengals defense, everything rolling out to the right here. And Patrick Mahomes throws an absolute money ball back corner of the end zone to who is that? Tyreek Hill who opened up the scoring right there. Absolutely fantastic. So Bengals defense, they covered, they covered, they covered. But at the very last minute because of Patrick Mahomes' escapability and buyability in the pocket, buying all the time, they just waited a little bit too long. And this was good. But you get Tyreek Hill running full speed back of the end zone. That's the toughest thing to guard. So just Tyreek Hill outrunning the defense that played really good lockup defense for about five seconds until Patrick Mahomes rolled out of the pocket and uh, found it. Tyree Kill in the back of the end zone. So that was touchdown number one, folks. Defense held, but, you know, time beats all. Time beats all defense. All righty, here we go. Touchdown number two. We get third and goal. Actually, let's go back to the first and goal because, you know, Locking up four straight downs in the red zone, that's the toughest thing. Getting, you know, a stop here, you know, any team can do that, but able to lock up first, second, third down, forcing a fourth down decision to kick the field goal or to, you know, risk it for the biscuit which the Chiefs did a little bit later um, in the at the end of the first half, and we'll watch that as well. But here we go. We get the, the Bengals at first and 10 from the 13-yard line. They get two stops, but let up the third down touchdown. Let's see how this all plays out. So here we go. In the red zone here, Chiefs. Just kind of got rid of it quickly here, but this Bengals defense keeping Tyreek Hill in front of them, not letting him run all behind him like we saw in that first touchdown. This defender not biting on anything, keeping him in front, and that's the best way to defend Tyreek Hill. You must keep him in front of you because we all know he's so dangerous in any single move, any misstep, misstep that you may, that you take, he's going to take advantage of. So they bring down Tyreek Hill. He gets a couple of yards. We go to second and three from the six-yard line. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, they hand off the ball right up the middle, and they get absolutely nowhere. Well done to the Bengals' defense, not allowing the run game. Then we get third and two from the five-yard line here. They score on this play. Patrick Mahomes stepping up in the pocket, buying time, rolling out. Look at all this. There it is. There he goes again and somehow able to go all the way to the right and once again find Travis Kelsey at the last moment there with a really solid pass that's out in front of him. So that's really how the Bengals just got scored upon. They couldn't get pressure on Patrick Mahomes to bring him down. They got pressure, couldn't bring him down, but they just let Patrick Mahomes extend the play. Matthew Stafford doesn't really do this. He made one great play, what was it, last week, uh, where he had a nice little flick uh, two weeks ago against the Bucks. But we're not getting this from Matthew Stafford. We're not getting the kind of five seconds in the pocket and then three seconds outside of the pocket, rolling out to the right, keeping plays extended for eight to ten seconds. That's not Matthew Stafford's game. So everything other than that, the Bengals were truly able to lock up the run game every other passes. They were not letting you get inside that red zone. But like I said again, time beats all. You get ten seconds, a play is going to be made. Somebody's going to get open. It's hard to cover corner safeties for 10 straight seconds. That's why, you know, everybody loves pressuring the quarterback. That's why a lot of people value the edge rusher as kind of like the 
third most important piece. Quarterback one, left tackle number two, and then edge rusher, kind of number three of the order of what you truly need to build around a team. So you can't pressure Patrick Mahomes. He's got it all day. He's going to make a play. Money Mahomes, Magic Mahomes, whatever you want to call him. He's got those nicknames for a reason, folks. And let's watch touchdown number three right here. Let's uh, watch. Uh, what do we got here? Let's watch. Uh, let's watch this third and one. Third and one from the 15. Let's see how they kind of picked up the first down. And then on the very next play, they do score the touchdown. So here we go. Third and one from the 15-yard line. Patrick Mahomes under center. Looks like they're going to run it. They fake it. Bengals. I mean, they're covering everything really well here, but we get one player just kind of escaping out to the flat to the left there. What is that? Uh, Travis Kelsey looks like. Travis Kelsey somehow able to get open here on the fake run. And the Bengals just kind of lost it for a second there. But overall, third and one, able to clamp up on three other downs. And once again, this was a longer play, a little bit of a longer play to set up. Option number one wasn't there. Has to come back to the second option. And uh, this defender is just a little, giving, a, giving Travis Kelsey a little bit too much room out there. But it's third and one. You don't want to give up the score. Got to play the first down as well. Overall, Travis Kelsey able to slip by. All right, and then the touchdown play coming on the very next play. Let's see how they give up this touchdown. We get first and goal from the three-yard line. Patrick Mahomes once again under center. Uh, they play action again, and this is just wide open. The motion man, uh, who's this Pringle coming out of the backfield motion. Nobody's covering him, and this is just real way too easy right there. That's textbook play by the by the Chiefs. Pre-action, pre-snap motion. You get a wide open receiver in the flat. I mean, that's just too easy. So Bengals, a little bit of a slip up there, and they get they get down 21 to 3 because of this. Alrighty, now let's move on to um, this play right here. The last play right before halftime where they saved any points scored. And once again, not giving up any any easy points. And once again, we're, we're going to talk about this when we get to uh, the last drive where you know everybody's saying, oh, just let the Chiefs score a touchdown. Absolutely wild to say. But the Bengals making it tough for the Chiefs. Chiefs scoring three straight touchdowns on the first three drives. Yes, but you know, beefing up in the red zone, not making it easy on them, making them go three, you know, third down and then pick up the first down and then score, making them kind of go to the third down to eventually score the ball on third and one or whatever it was, scoring on third down, not really letting the first down drive, the first down play or the second down play, eating it up, making the Chiefs make the right play, call the right play, uh, execute to pure perfection to beat this Bengals defense. It's tough to lock up in the red zone from the five from the 10 all that so even getting kind of like two back-to-back stops we still can give a team credit for that even though they do get scored upon at the end of the day it's tough to, tough to lock up for four straight downs that was uh, kind of how the Bengals won the game, you know, the first time they faced the Chiefs in the regular season. Bengals really shouldn't have won that game, but, you know, the Chiefs defense was locking it up from the five-yard line, like five straight plays, but the penalties kept giving the Bengals a new set of downs, a new set of downs, a new set of downs. So the Bengals ended up scoring and won the game, not because of a touchdown, uh, but because of a field goal, because the Chiefs kept committing a penalty and all that. The Bengals went for it on fourth down. 
Beckham didn't get it, but the penalty extends it and all that. So the Chiefs truly like locked up like nine straight times. But because they not locked up nine straight times and they gave up that one game-winning field goal because there was no more time left, that was the only option to kick the field goal. You know, we should still be praising that Chiefs defense because of that. So we get that a little bit in turn, not to the extreme of what we saw in Week 17, but to that effect. Alrighty, and then here we go. The last play right before halftime. Let's watch this. Once again, Bengals not making it easy on them. Um, you know, going down to the last play, the last second, and the Chiefs getting a little bit greedy here, you know, being a little aggressive, saying, hey, you know, we're only going to go for the touchdown here. We're really not interested in a field goal and all that. So here we go. First and goal from the one-yard line. Nine seconds left, no timeouts, and Patrick Mahomes sliding to the left, and that is just really well covered. This is the play before the end, uh, before the last play. So two straight plays here, nine seconds left from the one-yard line. Patrick Mahomes rolling out to the left. Look at that. I mean, everything is truly locked up here. Everything is double teamed. Nothing is open. And Patrick Mahomes tries to force something, and that's incomplete. Not giving it up on the one-yard line. I mean, we get you get five more seconds to halftime. You can take your break. You can take your rest. But this Bengals defense says, uh-uh. There's still time on the clock, so we're going hard, folks. And here it is, last play, second and goal from the one-yard line. Five seconds left. Chiefs, no timeouts. Can the Bengals lock up one more time? Here it is, pre-snap pre motion. We get Tyreek Hill out into the flats. Everything else over the middle of the field is very well covered. They force the ball out of Ty to Tyreek Hill in the flats with no timeouts. He doesn't go out of bounds. And then once again, Eli Apple coming up and making an extraordinary stop right there in the open field against Tyreek Hill. Give Eli Apple the credit he deserves. Yes, he got burned in the past, but you get better, and it's tough to be a shutdown corner for multiple plays in a row for multiple seasons in a row folks that's why Richard Sherman was like an outlier he had what like four great years and then when he moved he was never the same going back to Josh Norman, he was like the number one corner for one year, and now he's getting stiff-armed into oblivion by Derrick Henry. So the, the the corners have one of the toughest jobs on the football field. So saying, oh, well, this corner got burned here a couple of times when he was with the Saints or when he was with the Giants. Oh, he got burned. He's not a good corner. Well, you know, fit is everything, scheme is everything, and now he's playing at his absolute best here when it matters, getting and leading and helping his team get to a Super he made the game ceiling play against the Titans, folks. It wasn't Joe Burrow making the game winning play or anything like that. It was Eli Apple getting it done. We he deserves, you know, not you know greatest corner in the league award, but solid, winnable, making winning plays. I don't care if you give up, get burned here, or there, a couple of times in the game, but if you can lock up in the red zone, not get burned when it truly matters, when the game's on the line, and you're making game winning, game saving plays and all like that. You're going to be uh, positive in my book and will definitely kind of, you know, hold you to a higher standard being like, hey, this guy's the real deal. So, and even Eli Apple talking all that junk all week and backing it up. 
uh, calling out all the fans of the Saints and the Giants, being like, y'all fan base is trash, and the Saints food, New Orleans food is trash, and all that. Those are fighting words in New Orleans. And what happened? He went out here on the road, AFC Championship game, and backed up every single word he was saying. You got to give respect to that. We have no problem with people talking their stuff, talking their shit. I've got no problem with it. It just, you must know that there comes added extra unnecessary pressure with that. You have to go up and live to that standard. Then you have everybody waiting for you to fail to be like, oh, well, you just had all this to say. And then you give this performance. So that's all talking your shit does is just put unnecessary pressure on you. But hey, if you can handle it and you want it, I've got no problem with you doing it. And that's what Eli Apple has done. So we got to respect Eli Apple, folks, honestly. You can have your fun, the clown, clowning them, memeing them, okay, whatever. But at the end of the day, the man is making big old plays in big old games. And what else do you play for, folks? To win the game, to win the championship. Eli Apple's getting it done. All right, so that was how they got kind of scored upon in the first half. Now, let's kind of see what they were doing, how they locked up on the big plays in the second half of why the Chiefs really couldn't do anything at all. These are their drive charts for the rest of the second half, folks. The Chiefs, first drive out of halftime, seven plays, 16 yards, half the punt. Second drive, six plays, 17 yards, half the punt. Third drive, three plays, seven yards, and in an interception. Fourth drive, five, yard, five plays, negative two yards, half the punt. Next drive, four plays, negative four yards, have to punt. And then finally, the last drive for the Chiefs, 15 plays, 49 yards, six minutes, finally getting it going, but taking to the very last second where Mahomes can make a little bit of magic like we know time and time again, a la the AFC Championship game. And they go down and get a field goal, but get locked up. They can't get the touchdown. And then in the overtime drive, four plays, no yards, interception, game-winning drive offensively for the Bengals ensues after that. So Bengals were giving up nothing to the Chiefs, absolutely nothing to the Chiefs, where they were giving up 84-yard touchdown drive, 75-yard touchdown drive, 67-yard touchdown drive, 66-yard that ended right before halftime. So they were kind of getting a little obliterated in the first half, but they made the adjustments, and that's the biggest kind of green flag for this Bengals team. It's not like we've only seen it once, folks. We've seen it twice against this Chiefs team. This is big time green flag and the Vegas wants to make them plus four and a half underdogs. Come on. They get down 50 nothing. I still love the plus four and a half. They will get it done and lock it up defensively. Not allow the Rams to do anything in the second half and Joe Burrow goes clutch mode puts up 51 points and gets the win. So, man, oh, man, that's a little disrespectful disrespectful by Vegas there, folks. Once again, I'm loving that value right off the top, folks. Man. All righty, let's watch this defense. How were they doing it? How did they lock them up? Let's start here. First drive, we're going to watch second and six, incomplete, third and six, pass incomplete. Were they locking it up or were the Chiefs just not making the play? So just kind of right off the rip, we get uh, kind of two safeties here. We get this kind of corner shifting inside here, spying inside and looking at it. 
and, when, and, and we're going to kind of see this a little bit here. The Chiefs probably should have ran the ball a little bit more in the second half. You get all these defenders playing back, playing into the pass and how to shut down the pass. So, go, you know, Chiefs probably should have ran the ball a little bit more. And we know kind of running for some reason is like a sin in the NFL. You, you run like uh, if you don't run the ball like – or if you run the ball like under 10 times, like people try to like murder you for. Like, once again, going to the Bills game, Bills cheat or Bills Patriots game where they could only run the ball. The Bills could only run the ball for like three times the game. Um, or, man, that was passed. They passed the ball three times a game. What was my point? It's it's there, folks. Um, right, like, you get crucified for running the ball. That's what it is. When you run the ball too much, you get crucified for it. Um, and that's what the Patriots did. They only threw the ball three times. They ran the ball for the rest. And everybody was, like, going after the Patriots. Even though they won, they were like, you can't do that. And the next time they face the Bills, they better not do that. You can't just run the ball and run the ball. You can't, like, what? You you can you can you win the game when you do that you can do that watch Derrick Henry you can primarily run the ball so you know these coaches that love to pass the ball fall in love with the pass I don't know if this is the best look to throw against let's run the ball a little bit more you get like one linebacker you get one of your offensive linemen getting up to that second level I mean you rely on your running back for like 10 yards of free open space right in the middle of the field make a play it's going to go big um and you know we tie that back in because you know once again we have to watch Sean McVay and that's the NFC film study we're gonna watch Sean McVay's play calling Sean McVay wanting to get Matthew Stafford kind of all the credit we could truly get a situation where this Super Bowl coming up Bengals and Rams is gonna play out exactly like Seahawks Patriots number two our Seahawks Super Bowl number two with Russell Wilson, where they throw the ball on the one yard line. Like this is potential, folks, and that's something we truly have to kind of keep in mind. Sean McVay wanting to give Matthew Stafford credit for the win, nothing else, no receiver. They don't want to give the receiver the help, so they they go to every receiver. They rarely run the ball with Sony Michelle or Cam Makers. They just want to give Matthew Stafford the recognition. Matthew Stafford passed his way through his way to a Super Bowl win, made the game-winning throw, made the game-winning pass here. And if this Bengals defense can lock up the Chiefs passing game, you know the Rams passing game is good, but is it any better? Better than the Chiefs, I would say at max it's on the same level. And if the Bengals team can lock it up two times proven, the the Rams may have to kind of run the ball, switch it up, and not rely on Matthew Stafford. So just I would keep that in mind, folks. If you want to bet the Rams and all that, I would keep that in the back of your head of hey, Sean McVay may blow the game, forcing Matthew Stafford to be the hero. And you know, we've got we've got examples of that before, folks, of different coaches doing that. Sean McVay not truly calling the right play at the right time, forcing OBJ the ball twice. We've seen that twice now, and that's why we have to truly watch the film study because we got it again in that game Matthew Stafford taking a deep shot that gets should have been picked off so keep that in the back of your mind but we'll we'll get into that a little bit more on tomorrow's show when we watch the NFC film study 
Alrighty, back to the Bengals defense. Here we go. So, Chiefs don't throw the ball here. They go five wide. And uh, here we go. Let's just take it kind of frame by frame, second by second. I mean, all these receivers are locked up over the middle of the field. We've got double covered. We got single coverage everywhere else, but it's so locked up. And we've got kind of two free linebackers playing kind of everything coming back. They go and pressure Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes has to make a absolute money throw. And the receiver just can't hold on to it because the defender is right on top of them. And that's the only way you can really beat this Chiefs team. Locking up so tight on the receivers that Patrick Mahomes has to make the perfect pass and the receivers have to make a spectacular catch. And, uh, you know, we've seen this Chiefs receivers flounder at some points in the season right when they were kind of at their lowest point this season where everyone was writing them off and all that it was because the Chiefs were having turnovers because the receivers couldn't catch the ball bobbling the ball that turned into interceptions that was really the only time they had no success this season was when the receivers weren't really catching the ball and uh, the Bengals defense were absolutely clamping up that's fantastic that was second and six now we get third and six they lost up again they get a, a running back here and once again this the entire middle of the field is wide open these safeties are 15 yards deep we get two linebackers kind of threatening to uh, blitz up here but once again you you get up to the second level you get broad daylight so I know running on third and six is obviously not the best player maybe even the smartest choice but you know maybe pick up three four five yards and then go forward on fourth and one I know you'd only be at like your own 42 yard line and all that but we've seen this Chiefs team be aggressive and getting one yard is easy peasy for them for the most part, historically and all that. So, potentially probably should have ran the ball right here, but let's see how it plays out defensively. So, here we go. They end up kind of uh, just spying. They get up right to the linemen. These two linebackers that were kind of threatening to blitz, they're just kind of playing uh, the passing game a little bit, watching Patrick Mahomes' eyes. Everything else is locked up in the middle of the field, and then we just get Patrick Mahomes having to make an absolute great pass with Travis Kelsey making an absolutely tried, uh, you know, a spectacular catch. And then we get uh, number 33 out here. Uh, Trey Flowers, just defense all over him, making it hard for Travis Kelsey to catch the ball, locking up Travis Kelsey, locking up Tyreek Hill. I mean, you can lock up speed and you can lock up beef. I mean, that's what the Rams are. The Rams got OBJ for some speed, Cooper Cup with some speed. If you could lock up Tyreek Hill, I would say you would be able to lock up those two receivers as well. And then you get Tyler Higby, who's the beef, but they don't utilize him as much as the Chiefs utilize Travis Kelsey. So, I mean, if you were able to lock up Kelsey this entire game, I think they'd be able to, you know, be fine against Tyler Higby. So that was drive one, just locking it up, forcing them to make perfect, 100% uh, perfect plays right there. And they couldn't, and that's why they have to punt the ball. Then here we go, the following drive, second and six, pass and complete. Third and six, pass and complete, getting the same look right here. So let's watch this, this, these two plays and see how this drive ended. Here we go, once again, empty backfield for the Chiefs. That's probably where they went wrong. And I know hindsight's always 20-20, folks, so Chiefs probably would have, you know, 
like to run the ball a little bit more, had the big lead, just needed to kind of chew up the rest of the game in the second half, and they maybe just kind of, once again, had a little bit too much confidence in Patrick Mahomes because they've seen him be magical so many times, and I, yeah, honestly that. I mean, I would have bet on Patrick Mahomes to throw uh, his way out of this little slump that they were in, slow uh, throw their way to a win, absolutely. I've got no problem with them betting on that, but, you know, hindsight, probably wanting it back, probably run the ball a little bit more. But here we go. We get Patrick Mahomes, solid three seconds in the pocket. Everything is clamped up here, folks, clamped up, and they have an extra kind of free linebacker to go up and pressure Patrick Mahomes, a little bit of a spy on him, force him to make a little bit of a throw early. Once again, getting the pressure on Patrick Mahomes, not letting him throw and have 10 seconds to him, and he just has to throw that one out of bounds on second and six. Brings up third and six. Here we go. Now they bring the back in the backfield. Why are we bringing the back in the backfield on third and six? Why are we having five wide on second and six? Have five wide on third and six. So you can still threaten the run on second and six. So you can pick up a little extra yards. Get the defense a little kind of uh, out of rhythm, out of balance there. So... Yeah, the, the play calling by the Chiefs, I don't know if it's the best overall just by the looks itself, the play packages themselves. I don't know if this is the best decision. But let's focus back in this Bengals defense. Here we go. Patrick Mahomes, uh, one second, folks. Let's uh, take this. Here we go. One second. Alrighty, we are back. Okay, uh, so once again, the Bengals defense clamping up everybody. Look, at there is no separation really anywhere in the field. And Patrick Mahomes, once again, has to make a magnificent throw right here on the edge. And uh, I believe that's Mikko Harmon. And once again, we get a defender of the Bengals. I believe this is number 35. I got, uh, I don't know, number 21 right here. We got number 21. We've got... Mike Hinton, Mike Hilton right here, and uh, that's just an absolute lockup. All these corners getting it done, folks, truly. Eli Apple, Mike Hinton, Trey Flowers, they're all getting it done, folks. It's not just one player, and they're locking up some of the greatest receivers that there are, folks. Then we get the interception. Let's watch how this interception goes down because the linemen are getting into the game now. So here we go, second and three. Chiefs, I don't even know what the hell this play was, honestly. It was trying to be like a setup screen, but I mean... All the linemen are blocking downfield, so even if it was a completion, they probably throw a flag for an ineligible man down the field, and uh, the, the Bengals covered it perfectly. The defensive lineman gets his hands up. Patrick Mahomes was really throwing to nobody. We'll get a better look from the back angle right here to truly see how this play broke down. But uh, once again, the play calling for the Chiefs here, a little questionable, little little questionable, just trying to be a little bit too tricky right here. Just to set up screen, Bengals, I mean, this is, this is blocked all day. This is covered all day. Patrick Mahomes tries to kind of fit it in there, force it in there, and the big man right there, number 92, comes up big with the interception, big beef interception, folks. B.J. Hill with the interception on Patrick Mahomes. Leads to seven points by the Bengals. Let's shout out the Bengals offense here. Let's watch this touchdown pass on third and goal, shall we? 
Let's give Joe Burrow in this offense some love right here. Taking advantage of the other team's mistakes is crucial in winning. And look at that. You throw up the one-on-one -on -one ball to Jamar Chase. I mean, that's just how easy it is. The LSU connection, folks, it's invaluable. We, we even saw it with Tua and Jalen Waddle. The Alabama connection, having that kind of quarterback, wide receiver rhythm from college, getting that to the NFL, folks. I mean, that's probably the new wave, honestly. Teams should be looking for this even more because we've seen how fantastic and successful that has been. So just that one-on-one -on -one matchup right there, giving it to Jamar Chase. Love it. All right, then off the interception drive right here, we get uh, first and 10, second and 10 for only seven yards, and then a third and three sacks. So let's watch these three straight plays right here and watch this Bengals defense absolutely lock it up for three straight plays, allowing no first down. Here we go on first and 10. Patrick Mahomes, play action. Why not run it there? You set up another screen, and this is just incomplete. The receiver, he was going to get blasted at the 20-yard line anyway for a five-yard loss, but it just goes incomplete. Complete. Once again, trying too shifty, try, trying to be too crafty out here, setting up all these screens and gadget plays that aren't working. Run the ball a little bit more. Uh, make make this kind of defense uh, truly have to play the run in the pass, not just you passing and play actioning every single play, trying to set up a screen. But here we go, second and ten. Motion the backfield out again. So once again, this is a pass play. They just let Travis Kelsey get about seven yards, but everything else deep. It's covered very well, and uh, they come up and make the tackle. They'll give up seven yards to get you in that kind of do or die down. It's third and three now. Can the Bengals lock up one time? Let's see. We got trips to the right, and then they motion the running back out of the right. So once again, full-on pass play on third and three. Everything is locked up. Big-time jumble in the middle of the field. Nowhere to go. Um, Patrick Mahomes, you could probably throw this wheel route at the bottom of the screen, but he's not even looking there. Patrick Mahomes having to step up in the pocket to buy more time. Patrick Mahomes rolling out to the right, and look at this. Defender stepping up, not even allowing Patrick Mahomes to run, so he has to kind of stay in the backfield. He can't pursue the run, just surveying the field, and then you get him reversing field, and that's where we get the sack, folks. How great. They, we had 15 seconds. That play was 15 seconds long, and that that's how long this Bengals team were able to cover Tyreek Hill, the speedster, Travis Kelsey, the beef, who can get open regardless of how well you cover him, and then Patrick Mahomes, who can escape out of every situation. They were able to cover for 15 seconds right there. That's going to win them the championship, folks. And do I dare declare right now Bengals plus four? I'm ready to call it, folks. We won't. We don't even have to talk about the Super Bowl for the next week and a half. It's Bengals plus four. Four and a half, folks. I'm loving it. Man. All right. Let's end it right here. I want to just watch the last four plays here. Last four plays. Let's take it right here. Ever since they got in the red zone, here we go. Two minutes left, folks, and they're in the red zone. Two minutes. 
Two minutes, first and 10 from the 15-yard line. Fresh set of downs, can get another first down, can chew out two minutes. Uh, Chiefs are down three points, and everybody on social media right here was calling for the Bengals to just let the Chiefs score the touchdown so Joe Burrow has the ball in his hands at the end of the game. How absolutely absurd is that? This Bengals team has gotten to this point because of the defense. The offense has been great. We're not knocking the offense, folks. But this defense locking it up at the end of the game, not allowing touchdowns, having making teams settle for field goal when they get into the red zone and all that. The Bengals were living, living, winning games because of their red zone defense. And y'all, because the Bills defense sucks, y'all just wanted the Chiefs to score and let this Bengals team just let the Chiefs score? What is that? So let's end it here, finish it up here with this Chiefs team from first and 10 from the 15-yard line with two minutes left. And I think they had two timeouts. With two timeouts. They had the game in their hand, but the Bengals, they did never blink, folks. They never blunked in the face of adversity. We've been hearing it all year, folks. Joe Burrow saying, stop calling us underdogs. What are y'all disrespecting us out here for? We are the real deal. Have you not been watching me in Jamar Chase one-on-one matchups? Have you not been watching our red zone defense lock it up all year long? What are we doing? Did you not just see us week 17 only allowing the Chiefs three points in the second half? In newsflash, it's the second half of the AFC Championship game and the Chiefs have put up no points so far and you just want us to let them walk in the end zone so Joe Burrow can have a chance to win the game? Stop it. Stop it. The most disrespectful thing I've seen this season were y'all, y'all doing it. And we've seen some real big disrespectful things this year, folks. Damn. I'm a little... I was a little disappointed in y'all. I was a little dis- I was truly a little disappointed in y'all um, on Sunday during this game. Damn. But here we go. Bengals defense locking it up. Here we go. First play. Chiefs five wide right here. Now no back in the backfield. This is the the, the Bengals can cover this. They've proven they were able to cover this the entire uh, second half. And here they are doing the same thing. Patrick Mahomes look at everything very well covered. You throw it out here. I believe that's Miko Harmon in the flat. This corner's coming up and making the play. Potentially pick. Maybe can jump the route. But, I mean, everything else is locked up. Patrick Mahomes running out to the left. The Bengals trying to chase him down. And Patrick Mahomes gets inside the 10-yard line. Ooh, Patrick Mahomes gouges him for about four yards. Second and six from the 11-yard line. We get motion back out of the backfield again, folks. This does not fool the Bengals. This has not fooled the Bengals the entire second half. We've seen this multiple times already. And here we go. Patrick Mahomes having to run and take off because look at how well everything is covered. Oh my God, there is nowhere to go with the ball. Patrick Mahomes trying to be too fancy and too cute. And I truly think this was 100% the downfall of the Chiefs here because the coaches were kind of playing into that narrative of, hey, we have to kind of chew up all the clock here. We don't really want to score on the first play because we don't want Joe Joe Burrow with the ball in his hands for this to be a shootout like last week. So I really think Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, Patrick Mahomes, they all got in their own head of, oh my God, we have to kind of eat up the final two minutes here. We can't score too quick, but we also have to score at the same time. And I think that was their downfall. What y'all were saying, you know, that's infectious. 
I'm sure the Chiefs were kind of thinking the same thing, especially in how, you know, the, their last game against the Bills played out. The final two minutes, 25 points scored. Absolutely wild. So I think all that had a big old factor in this game with the Chiefs trying to get a little bit too cute. So we get Patrick Holmes just running in the backfield, nowhere to go with the ball, ends up buying even more time. We're 15 seconds into this play, 16 seconds, and they bring Patrick Holmes down. Let's see how many yards they officially gave him. They gave him four more yards, third and two from the seven-yard line now. Empty backfield. Is that going to be a problem for the Bengals? Absolutely not. Oh, they actually do a little bit of a fake here but they do the shovel fake right up the middle and it's no good can we stop with that play of having kind of you know motion in the backfield you fake the motion and then you have the tight end pull and then you flick it to him like between the center and the guard that play's done it was good don't get me wrong it was so good that everybody copied it because everyone's doing this same play but it doesn't work anymore folks we have to uh you know once things kind of get truly out there you have to move on always innovating always changing your offense and schemes you can fake the toss now that everybody's expecting kind of the flick um up the middle so then you run to the outside now but stop with the flick up the middle the play is dead it's been dead for this like year we've seen it so many times the last two years every team doing it stop with that play folks truly i i get so angry every time i see it i'm like it doesn't work they picked up the first down but it's two yards barely so here we go first and goal from the five yard line now so a new set of downs the Bengals could just throw in the towel be like well we've tried they're gonna score now what are we gonna do they're gonna score now we have to guard five yards we can't do that of course they can do that stop it folks here we go first and goal from the five yard line Patrick Holmes they run the ball up the middle and the Bengals aren't even fooled by it so all the times that we were saying oh the Chiefs should run the ball where the Bengals are like it doesn't it doesn't matter run throw we're recovering everything what are you crazy we're a defense we're the best defense in the AFC. Absolutely. Potentially the best defense in the league. But we'll have to see that on Super Bowl Sunday when they face the NFC Rams. Um, so here we go. Uh, run play. No good. No good. Second and goal from the four-yard line. Bengals. You got to do it again. Can they do it again? Let's see. Chiefs. Play action. Nothing open. Look at that. And then they chase Patrick Mahomes down and sack him, folks. Get him down. Get him down. And then it brings up third and goal from the nine-yard line. Patrick Mahomes. What do you got for us? Can you pull some Patty Mahomes magic here? Dress dropping back. Everything. So well covered. Look at this, folks. I mean, this bang. We got to shout out this Bengals defensive coordinator, folks. Let me get this Bengals defensive coordinator's name. He needs to be named, folks. This man is fantastic. Uh, well done to watch the film. Coordinator Lou Anarumo, folks. Absolutely well done. Lou Anarumo, folks. The defensive coordinator for the Bengals. What an absolute brilliant performance here in the red zone. AFC Championship game. Patrick Mahomes, so much time to throw. We're working 15 seconds into the play, and then they bring him down. At the 25-yard line, Patrick Mahomes just trying to get too cute, and that sets up the game-tying field goal. And let's watch uh, the interception here in overtime. Let's end it on a really high note for this Bengals team. Third and 10 from the 25-yard line, so they weren't giving up yards, and they got bailed out by the interception. No, no, no. They weren't allowing the Chiefs to do anything. And that springs up third and 10. Overtime. Ball first for the Chiefs. Chiefs going deep. And, 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 and. great defense by number 30, hits the ball as soon as it gets to Tyreek Hill. 
in number 30, uh, Jesse Bates with the tip that turns into an interception for number 24. Von Bell. So just well done, everybody on defense. Did we even call the same defensive name twice, folks? I don't think we did because that's how deep and good they are defensively. It's everybody truly working together to get it done. And then once again, you don't, it doesn't matter about the coin toss in overtime, folks. If you have a good defense, the coin toss does not matter. The rule does not need to be changed, okay, folks? The overtime rule is fine. Tell your defense to lock lock up. If they're actually the number one defense in the league, they should be able to lock up this Bengals defense. Locked up absolutely brilliantly. Forced a turnover and the the rest is history, folks. Joe Burrow and this Bengals team heading to the Super Bowl. Bengals plus four. I'm ready to lock it in now. I'm over it, folks. I've seen enough. I've truly seen enough. Bengals plus four. Bengals on the money line. Yes, yes. Ooh. I'm 99% there, folks. Folks, I'm 99% there. We won't lock anything in officially until probably next week, but I'm 99% there until I see something different. Alrighty, folks, that is going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We're back live tomorrow, noon Eastern, to do the NFC uh, film study on the Rams and Sean McVay's play calling and how all that w looked and if this Bengals defense is going to be able to lock it up like they probably will. Um, so we're back live tomorrow, noon Eastern, doing it all over again, folks. So hope you'll join me. Have a great one. Make some money. We got a pick going uh, in the NBA, Suns minus four. And uh, once again, thank you to our sponsors, the New York Knicks, for being so gosh dang bad. Thank you. All righty, folks. We are out of here.